What if pain was a guide to make us look inside and equip us with resilience? What tools would we need to master? So this podcast is very special and uh, a little bit edgy. I speak to Nicholas Frey, who worked as an HR business partner for the trading floor of an investment bank while secretly suffering with a porn addiction for 15 years. This addiction robbed him of the will to take care of his health and made him mentally and physically ill, culminated in a herniated spinal disc that needed surgery as it paralyzed his leg. He no longer had any motivation or purpose in his life, finding himself incredibly frustrated, angry, lonely, lost. He felt powerless and at the mercy of his addiction, masturbating, even though he didn't want to anymore. I mean, how challenging of, of a circumstance for one to be in, right? Knowing that you don't want to do something, but not being able to help yourself. Yeah, I can relate. Can you? And then he discovered breath work, a practice that on his first session, he felt his heart and intuition open and expand for the first time since childhood. Nick's vulnerability, courage, and authenticity is really felt throughout this interview. And it was truly such a delight and pleasure to speak with him. During our conversation, we spoke about uncomfortable things, like the root cause of addiction being disconnection, how to spot addiction in our own lives, how porn affects our sex lives, and the benefits, yes, the benefits of not ejaculating. (laughs) You'll notice that when I begin sharing my own sexual experiences, I say like about a hundred dozen times. This podcast is truly fascinating and filled with both nervous and genuine laughter as we speak on the tabooed subject of sex and masturbation. You'll be listening right through to the end. I'm really, really sure about that. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen in to my guru and be patient with all the weird sounds that came on the recordings, maybe the not so good microphone and, uh, you know, me, (laughs) me learning to chill out, relax, and just share what's really in my heart and present as I record the intros. And I say all this because this is the last episode of the first season of My Guru. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have served and shared all these amazing conversations with these beautiful and very inspiring people that I've met on my journey. The idea behind this podcast was to speak with people who have overcome really challenging obstacles in their lives and demonstrated resilience to power through them and inspire those who may or may not feel like they can overcome the obstacles in their lives with examples of people who have, showing them that there is a way and that tomorrow will come. 
I would love it if you could rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. This helps us become more visible to more people and also increases the likelihood of virility of the content, reaching more people who may benefit from this. I would welcome recommendations for interviews, for new episodes, etc. And you're more than welcome to contact me directly about anything, especially if you need help or support I'm really here for you, and this is a cause that I really, really believe in. And uh, I just wish for everyone to find that resilience within them to power through challenging moments. So thank you so much for listening, following, sharing, uh, collaborating. And it's not the end, it's only the beginning. So you know what to do, put the kettle on, pour yourself a cup of tea, find a good space in your living room, in your kitchen, or if you're driving your car, and relax and enjoy the podcast. So today, we're here with a gentleman called Nick Frey, who is also being my kind of short-term roommate here in Ubud, Bali. Uh, he lives upstairs and I live downstairs and each day that I've been filming uh, in this living room he's been very patient with me as those brackets he can't enter the kitchen which is where we are today <laughs> right? and I've invited uh, Nick to to join us uh, to talk a little bit about his experience with porn addiction and addiction in general as well as it's been really fascinating for me to hear about it. And he's great because he, he's very detailed oriented and he, he worries. So right now he's telling me that my microphone might be rustling. <laughs> and he checks the cameras as I do them. And uh, he double checks the questions. So this is going to be a great interview, I'm sure. So uh, I'm just going to start off with an, an easy question. Well, for some, which is who are you and what do you do? Who am I? Yeah. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> yeah. And what I do is I've made it a, a mission of mine to um, create an offering services for men who are in a similar situation um, as I was about 10 years ago because I felt completely lost and left alone in this whole porn addiction topic. So that's something I'm building up right now. I've written a book and I'm working on a, on a coaching program. So that's what I do and that's what I, who I am. Thank you for sharing. So could you share with me a little bit about your personal journey in, in, in all of this? In all of this? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think one of the tricky things about porn addiction is that you don't notice it. You know, it like it creeps up on you. Um, I mean, in the beginning, it was just pure uh, curiosity, you know, and exciting. Um, until you realize years later, all of a sudden, uh, you're starting to lose control, you know? And, and a couple of years after that, you realize you want to stop, but you can't anymore. So it kind of creeps up on you, the whole thing. Um, and that's, that's how it was for me. 
um, until I really I had to I had to learn the hard way. So I'm, maybe maybe I'm a bad example for yeah. For you the, keep for this saying that, but it's not true. I think you're uh, yeah. a great example for this talk. Uh, I, I, I really had to learn the hard way because I broke down. I broke down in a burnout or pornout as I call it mm. in, in my book. And uh, with a herniated spinal disc, which needed mm. surgery, all related to my porn addiction. And I've seen it coming, you know, I've seen it coming for years after that. Once I started realizing, wow, I have a problem, I wasn't able to change anything. I was so deeply in, in that and I didn't know where to turn to. Mm. I've seen it coming, you know, and uh, it's quite insane. Really, when you when you see something coming, you know you know you have to break down first before you actually able to change something. That's that's quite excruciating pain. Yeah, so I had to break down first, uh, and I hit rock bottom. It took me years to get back up on my feet. I I spent a couple of years by myself, basically in my apartment, recovering. I had literally had to re-socialize myself mm. because you know I. I I quit my job when I started realizing this is this is I need a break. I need to do something. And and then I I indulged myself in a in a in a longer travel. Just went travel uh, traveling and diving. And when I came back, I wanted to start my own business. And that's when I realized I had absolutely no energy left whatsoever. And that's that was the moment when I when I broke down. Um, yeah. But, okay, so you've gone through that like really, really fast. Okay. Um, but you said that that was like quite an incremental, you know, it happened a little bit over time. So like, what was that process? Can you like break that down for me? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, as I said in the beginning, you know, um, I basically started when, when the internet um, started. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, crappy porn websites. And, and just celebrity pictures and oh, model pictures and these kind of things. Okay. You know, the time of analog modems where, so where, where everybody, <laughs> exactly, you know, that crackling. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everybody knew you were in the internet because it was running over the phone line, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. so you couldn't use the phone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so th that was the start, basically, uh, with the internet. And, and it's, by the way, um, a big part why internet is... Uh, has really been spread like an epidemic to this, since the internet because internet has plays a big part in in, in making porn so popular. Mm, definitely, it's free. You know, it's it's available. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, it's 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 a big part of the problem. Okay. Definitely. Um, so I, I slid into that, you know, it was, it was just exciting, it was super exciting looking at all these pictures and it, sometimes it took minutes, you know, until the picture was loaded in the beginning. And, and then it evolved. Maybe that was also why, why I got in so deep, because there was a natural evolution of, of also the internet, you know, all of a sudden mm. you broadband and you had videos, not just pictures anymore. So it got more and more exciting. So it was like, like, like an ascension of excitement. Okay. And, uh, and the process um, is, is really, you know, after a while it, it starts taking over, you know, you start realizing, mm, okay, maybe I'm doing it a little too often, mm. you know, um, and, and uh, a couple of years, and it's really a long process, at mm. least it was for me. Yeah. And, and then you start realizing 
it's, it's influencing my life, you know, you start neglecting other things in your life. It really takes a lot of time. Also, really? Yeah. I mean... So it's not like once a day if, before bed or something? Well, it's, it's often several times a day. Wow. And it's for hours when you do it. So you're in front of the computer for hours, or I was at least. Okay. It's not the same for everybody, but I was, yeah. So uh, several times a day for hours like and doing work? hours. Never doing, never okay. doing work, no. Um, but always afterwards, yeah, for hours, like in the evenings. So it starts and on the weekends, of course, you know, so it really, really takes over your life after a while. Wow. And you start neglecting your health, your, your relationships I, uh, and your friends, uh, your hobbies, everything. And uh, yeah, of course, it influences also your work in the end, you know, because it's a huge waste of energy. Just all this, all this masturbation and ejaculation, uh, especially through masturbation. It's a huge waste of energy or a loss of energy. Maybe that's a better word. Mm -mm. And, uh, you know, later, as I said, I realized, I started realizing I do have a problem, um, but I wasn't able to, to just stop anymore. I mean, that's, that's a characteristic of an addiction, isn't it? A compulsive behavior that you keep doing, even though, you know, it hurts you mm. and you try to stop, but you can't anymore. You know, it's like an autopilot that you don't know how to switch off. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the processes. Yeah, and then you said you you had a porn out. Like, what's that? Well, the porn out for me, is, as I call it, it was it was really a, a burnout. You know, because for for me, it was also I had I had quite a quite a challenging career job. I was working in investment banking. Okay. So it was a tough job. Um, 10, 12, 14 hour days. Uh, high pressure. Um, and then also towards the end of my addiction, um, my mom got, got really sick uh, over a longer period of time. Mm. So there was pressure from many sides, you know, and, and together with the porn addiction, which was for me, you know, a compensation, compensation behavior at that point. Uh, and as I said, it's a huge loss of energy, mm. especially if you lose balance, you know, if you lose balance, if you don't have a balanced life anymore, yeah. you know, less friends, le less, less sports and, and health in your life, mm. family, no relationship. I, I, I didn't have a relationship practically for 20 years. So between 20 and 40, I didn't really have Romantic that. relationships? Yeah, hardly ever. Really? Yeah. You were you would rather sit and watch porn than have romantic relationships. <laughs> now, now when you put it that way, that's how terrible it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You you didn't want to have them. Of course I did. I was okay. was craving, of course. But you know that's part of the addiction. Um, it isolates you. Mm. It's it's so heavily loaded with shame. Yeah. You know. And especially when you start realizing, ooh, this, this is not serving me. This is, this is not really helping me. Mm. Um, yeah, you, it's, you, it's like you, you know that people, or especially women, smell it on you. At least, at least that's that, right, that, how it feels. Yeah, that was my perception. Yeah. And rightfully so, 
you know, rightfully so, because it it, it does. Sorry, a little dry throat. Okay. It does change the way um, I started looking at women ah. and uh, the way I started choosing women. Because you, you bombard your brain with this visual stimulus of, of, you know, just something sexually attractive and naked and beautiful, the way you look at it in, in, in the internet. And that's the way you start choosing women, you know. And that's, of course, not the women that are that are a match for you right so you so I started choosing women uh, more based on on how sexually attracted I am to them versus how much I really like them mm-hmm. when 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 I liked her looks that's when I was interested and not when I felt like oh there was a connection or I, I there, there's some hard energy or we can really get along easily mm-hmm. you know that wasn't so important mm-hmm. and no wonder it never worked out and, and also, of course, together with, with just fe- feeling very, uh, very ashamed of the whole thing after, after, after a couple of years. You know, of course, I wasn't convincing as a man, mm. uh, rightfully so. You know, so that's, that's all contributing to making a porn addiction, any addiction, uh, really, uh, very isolating. Do you feel you were objectifying women? Yeah. I guess I, I ask that question because I wonder if there's certain attributes that you then pay more attention to. And that's, I, I, like, I, like I told you, right? I said I've watched porn twice in my life. Uh, once when I was uh, like 15, a friend in my, of mine, before we had like really that much online videos, I guess, there was these cool new DVD stores where it was like you, you could enter it 24 hours in the day with like a card and then there was like a screen and you get to pick a dvd and then it comes out so that was like the modern that was already like threatening like the blockbuster kind of video shops like a little porn cinema yeah and then that's why we 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 did it because we're like oh we're in a we're in a space where we can get a dvd we don't have to like check it out with a person right so we checked out this porn video it was like a murder mystery one it was hilarious it was so hilarious and I remember both of us watching it and we were just laughing the whole way through because we thought it was the most ridiculous thing we'd ever seen. It was like, it's a murder mystery, So, but in every scene he would just like start riding a bike in a gym and like two seconds later he's having sex with a girl next to him and you're like, it's always like really big boobs and like, you know, the, like the kind of like the, sta- the standard of what we, at that time was supposed to be like sexual and beautiful, which was like that Barbie look, right? Mm-hmm. And the men were always ugly. Or like not, like they didn't focus on the men being particularly attractive, but the women like had to be or whatever. And then once with like my first serious boyfriend, he was like, oh, it'd be fun to like watch a bit of porn when we like make love and stuff. But I like, it never, like I never attuned to that. So for me, like my assumption is that as a woman sleeping with, you know, different types of men that I, I, I feel like I can tell if someone's watched a lot of porn by the way that we're interacting in the bedroom because um, there's generally not as much listening yeah. right to my body. It's like it's more like there's like an automatic process or like a remembering of what like sex should be like. Mm. And then I'm just there or something else could replace me. That's like how I feel yeah. in those in those moments versus like other um, interactions that I've had where I, I feel generally like, considered and listened to and it's like a conversation between bodies as opposed to just being used for the other to like jack off essentially um so that's how i like identify with it and i i wondered if like if i watched a lot of porn hypothetically or if men watched a lot of porn whether they'd be attracted more to like 
ridiculously big boobs or like blondes or like do you know what I mean or like that the sexual moves they would be very like more gross or specific or like peeing on the face or something I don't know I don't know mm. I'm just making it up but you know what I mean no it's a good point because you know there, there's a lot of stuff happening in your brain as well mm. you know on, on one side um, there, there's a higher sensibility to to the what do you call it uh, in English um, just just a visual stimulus Okay. So it takes less and less. You can, you can see a beautiful woman with a, with a, with a short skirt, and your your excitement is already on a hundred percent. Oh wow! So you okay. get you get really sensitive to to the visual stimulus, and at the same time your your reward system, you know, there's a, there's a whole a whole story about your reward system with like with every addiction, with yeah. dopamine and hormones, etc., and that gets desensitized. Which means you need more and more to reach uh, the original level of, of excitement. Okay. Yeah. You become more so this, tolerant. Uh, yeah. So uh, that goes that goes into the direction of what you just said. You know, it is it is possible um, after after years and years of porn addiction that you that you need more and more extreme. Okay. And studies studies also show that that. Uh, um, um, that you start drifting off to to fetishes, for example, mm. or or um, sexual orientations, which are not really yours, but you know they're like shock and awe, mm. uh, and and they trigger you more. They get you more excitement because you need more to to, to reach the, the original level of excitement. So that that can very well happen. Absolutely, yeah. I read somewhere, and also because I have other friends who suffer with something similar, and I've I've expressed this to you before. Who, who mention that they then don't have as much excitement for the partner that they're with, and that that can kind of get in the way. You mean the the person with the addiction? Yeah. Yeah. So they're watching porn, and then they not they don't feel like having sex with the person next to them, but they feel like watching porn, which yes. is for me sounds really strange, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you you. you the sexual erection and excitement is is all is all coming from from the pictures that you choose yeah you know and they're exactly as you like them as perfect and as whatever taste you have yeah you know that's what they're like and all of a sudden you you have, you have this this real woman you know mm. and it's different and, they, and all of a sudden there is an interaction yeah you know there is no interaction in in, in, in porn addiction um, that that's why that's why your thinking brain, your prefrontal cortex, get completely neglected. Yeah, because they completely. don't tease each other so much, right? It's just like in there, fuck them. Well, yeah, but that, I mean that that's within the scene. Yeah. But I'm I'm talking about you alone yeah. sitting in front of the computer, yeah, jerking yeah, off yeah, the porn. Yeah, yeah. There is not an interaction happening yeah. with with a woman. You you don't need to talk to her. You don't need to build trust. And flirt, and you know, maybe we meet again, and and uh, and there's an interaction, and there's an exchange of energy, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially in sex, which is not happening when when you're jerking off by yourself in front of the computer, you know. And and just the point I wanted to make, you know, because it's it's quite scary actually. When I when I learned this through all my research, your your thinking brain, your prefrontal cortex gets neglected. You know, because there, it is responsible for your behavior and decisions, etc., and 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 it's not needed. You know, mm. when you're constantly in front of a computer jerking off instead of meeting real women in real life, so it does have 
uh, an effect on your brain. It, it, it's creating structural changes in your brain and your behavior. You know, and I'm talking about year-long severe porn addiction. You know, mm. I mean, there, there's there's many many levels. You know, some people just do it maybe once a month, maybe once a week, or together with a partner, which can be mm. very exciting, you know? So I'm not demonizing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, I, yeah. I hear I hear that. I hear that you're not demonizing it. Maybe I probably <laughs> sometimes am a little. Like, uh, I mean, when I, traditionally when I would like, hear about porn, you know, in general, or like how I felt when I would make love with men that I feel had watched a lot of mm. porn. Yeah. Um, because I would feel like exactly like an object of desire as opposed to like being, you know, yeah. hello, this is an interactions communication. I've, I've actually remember f a few years ago stopping to have sex with someone mm -hmm. because of that, just Good. like instantly. Whereas actually as a woman that takes sometimes a lot of courage because we also have this whole like, you know, people pleaser, I want to like serve the partner that I'm with, da, 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 da. but then for me in that moment it was like, no, this is not on, like this is disrespectful, you know, and like the things that one would want to do on the other and like for what reason and yeah. it's all context-based. I'm not against doing like, you know, different things in the bedroom that are exciting or maybe a little, like, a little bit sometimes edgy on the, can be inspired a little bit from porn as long as you're in a safe container with someone that really loves and respects you and there's like open communication and there's a yeah a conversation whether it's physically or like with words versus literally feeling like you're being used and i feel like there are a lot of men um that that go down that road but then don't necessarily have an outlet to to figure it out or to have communication about it or necessarily know what the tools are to overcome it or necessarily know that they have an issue with it. Yeah. And on the on the flip side, as a woman, I realize that it can be quite challenging to even have conversations with your partner mm. um, about things to do with sex because it starts like puncturing like the ego and then they get in the mind and then it can be really disruptive to the dynamic. I've had, uh, I dated someone for, for quite a while who when I tried to communicate and back then I didn't have as much courage as I have now to just like say things straight to someone's face and like here's what I'm feeling like you know boom back then oh, trying to be nice but trying to like communicate what I'm feeling he would deny that it's inspired by porn I would definitely like feel internally like no it's definitely inspired by porn and not really understand uh, what I was feeling or or took it very emotionally and got really upset about it and then it would create a really awkward, strange dynamic and then, yeah. So it's also like, for, as a woman, finding a way to communicate to your partner or to someone that you're with about these things. So when I heard, you know, when I first met you, properly met you, I met you two years ago, but properly met you this time, the reason I was so fascinated by what you were doing was like, oh my God, amazing. It'd be amazing to have these circles for men who can openly communicate and equip themselves with tools because I think they need to probably, and this is my assumption, that it's probably a safer and better environment to be held and supported by men who are going through something similar than me as, as like a partner who don't, doesn't actually know, but like is on the receiving end of that, mm -hmm. you know, and also equipping maybe like the partners and women with tools on how to then deal with their partners in that situation, how to communicate with their partners and how to like help them move through that with their partners, you know. Yeah. So I think the, the ripple effect of what you're doing with like your book and uh, your 30 day challenge thing that I'm sure you'll mention later is really, really, really necessary. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for mentioning all this. And, and I can only encourage you and every woman 
yeah. to, to speak out. Yeah, yeah. Because I tell you what, you know, uh, I, I also had to relearn uh, healthy sexuality. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And the greatest healing I received was in a relationship with a sexual, uh, with, a, with a healthy sexuality. Mm. So please, <laughs> please heal, help heal the man. <laughs> yeah. Please help heal the man. You know. But yeah. of course, you know, it, it is tricky. You know, how do you address that? How do you address that? Especially, you know, I mean, I got very defensive. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's, it's so, it's so, it's so shameful. Yeah, people and, are so uh, afraid would, of it. Yeah, they're yeah. afraid, and I wasn't able to to really admit it, etc., etc. Mm. You know, so it's of course it's it's tricky to address it, but there are ways. You know, non yeah. nonviolent communication Authentic and, and, relating. and yeah, and speaking speaking what it does for you. You know. Like as you as you said, you know, I'm not feeling I'm not feeling a connection. You mm. know, maybe that as a starting point. Mm. You know, a soft entry versus oh, you're a bad lover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I never <laughs> you know? said that. No, no, no. Or, like I'm just... ruin the sexual dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You suck in bed. Yeah, 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 Shit, I can't have sex with anymore. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. I mean, that's that's part that's part of the work. Um, that I'm planning to build up, you know, first yeah. of all, man group and feeling comfortable uh, with men uh, talking about this, this yeah. issue. But then also, you know, um, uh, telling men, guys, it doesn't always have to be chasing the orgasm. Like, like, yeah. like I, I have learned through the addiction, you know, you learn, you learn just chasing the orgasm, you know, and fulfilling all the fantasies that you have in your head with porn. Mm. Ridiculous, you know. It's 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 about connecting and it's about tenderness and yeah. intimacy and yeah. touch mm. and maybe agreeing with your partner not to have orgasms, you know, for a while. That sounds crazy. No, it doesn't. Well, I mean, it sounds crazy. Like I, I mean, I remember the first man I dated who was doing that practice. He was really into tantra. Yeah. And I, so he was my uh, awakening into this like not having orgasms thing. And I remember because. <laughs> like yesterday and I remember my shock because I, I didn't have that awareness at all and I was like, like what, what? Do you, what do you mean and I'm like what are you kidding because like for me it's like a sense of achievement also it's like yeah exactly of course yeah. it's like we're having sex and like you need to come because yes. if you don't come then I feel like something's wrong and I'm not performing well or like yeah. I'm not able to make you happy or I don't know if I've served you yeah 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 and and uh, it's a big step it's a big step, and a lot of people cannot imagine it in the beginning. So it's it's a process. It so takes time. But why would you time. do that? Can you explain that? Well, I mean, for for me, this has become a, a practice whenever possible. Okay. You know, masturbating or, or or with sex. I'm I'm trying not to ejaculate because I know I've I've lost so much life energy through my addiction. Um, whenever I ejaculate, especially through masturbation, which is much more severe with respect to to the energy loss that I'm feeling. I'm, I get weak legs. What? Uh, I'm, my legs are trembling. Wow. I get weak legs, and it takes me it takes me sometimes week to to recover from that. I mean, there's there's a chemical a biochemical hangover after every orgasm anyway. Are you aware of that? No. Okay. I mean, there's you know the high feeling uh, or the, the, the just the joy is is, is uh, dopamine and endorphins basically mm. very very simply put and uh, when you're ejaculating or orgasming there's a huge peak uh, in hormones 
and it drops down to, to a, quite a low point after about a week and it takes three weeks to get back up on the original level again. So you have a biochemical hangover after, after every orgasm basically. I mean it, it's, it's for, for people with a healthy sexuality they can't really feel it that much, you know. But that's why it's important to have a time of abstinence after an addiction so, so you can normalize your, your hormones again and realize and give your brain you know, the possibility to recover and re-energize. Okay. But that happens, you know, there's, a, there's quite something going on with, with orgasm and ejaculation. And I make it a practice to keep that life energy within me, you know, with breathing exercises and visualization and moving the energy up my body. And, and down again. So I want to I want to keep it in my system, and and I've I've had I've had way better orgasms, multiple body orgasms wow. when when not coming with with a woman. Yes, and uh, but that takes that took me a couple of years. That took me quite a long time. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful to connect that way with with in in a, in a relationship. Because it stays much longer, you know. When when you have intimacy, you you can first of all you can last much longer, and there's much more connection and tenderness and touch and maybe just holding, and with or without penetration, and and the level of connection stays so much stronger right after the act, after the sexual act, than you would have a you know the whole peak experience, because there is a drop after that. And also a certain disconnection, especially men, they want to separate after that as well. Yeah, they right. Be in their yeah. own space, you know. So that happens, and it's a practice, but it's beautiful. It's really, really. And what beautiful. are the benefits? Like, why would like if you were to say to someone who's like, "What? Never heard of this. Like, why wouldn't I do this? Like, what would you share as the benefits of not like ejaculating or not coming or for a porn addict or just a normal person? Both. Yeah. Well, I mean, for for a normal person, they have to know for themselves. I, I would not I would not want to recommend that to them. I don't, you know. If 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 they if they feel called to do that, then they should try. But okay. I would never want to convince anybody to do that. Not to convince, just to share yeah. like the benefits. Well, the benefits, as I said, it's really uh, on an energetic level, uh, just keeping the energy within you. Uh, it's it's very expansive. Also, your consciousness expands. You know, you you have you have, you have uh, much more motivation, much more drive in mm. life, um, higher concentration, more creativity. Wow. It's just the whole life juice that you keep in your own system. Yeah, yeah. It's there's there's a lot going on when when you when wow. you keep the energy within and not you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Letting it, it all just, the time. Yeah. Do you think that applies for women too? Hmm. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know. No, I was curious. But I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I guess. I guess one thing I did want to touch upon is, and you have touched upon it already. But how does someone know that they have an addiction? Because it's hard to tell, right? Like I'll give you an example. Like when I was uh, growing up, I was totally addicted to marijuana, and I was smoking every day, multiple times a day, from the age of like 15 up until, I mean it went on until like 21, 22, but by then when I started working it, it cooled down a bit. But then it was still every day but at night. But I remember as that was happening, my mom brought that to my attention. 
or she tried in a in the way that she could try and I was a hundred percent sure that I didn't mm-hmm. and I really was a hundred percent sure that I don't have an addiction yeah. you know so so I'm interested in your uh, perspective of like how do you know it's an addiction it's a tricky question uh, it took me years mm. um, and it has a lot to do with becoming more aware okay yeah um, because it's not it's not necessarily the amount that makes the addiction yeah uh, it's really about the effect. Does it have, does the behavior, and porn addiction is a behavioral addiction, not a substance addiction, does the behavior have a negative effect, a negative effect on your life? So that's, that's the, the main ingredient for me. Uh, and then, you know, how do you know? Um, why not try to be abstinent for a little while? And that's exactly why I'm creating a 30-day challenge. Okay. Because uh, a lot of the men um, think, well, you know, everybody everybody's, is, is watching porn and masturbating to porn. It's pretty normal. Um, but the question is, what does it do with you? Mm. Yeah? And... If you, if you want to take the challenge of going abstinent for about 30 days or even less, um, it has two great effects. Either you make it and realize what a huge difference it makes in your energy, mm. because there is a huge difference, you know, uh, or you can't make it and realize wow, I have to start over again every couple of days, you know, and you might realize I might have a bigger problem than I thought with my, wow. with my porn consumption. Yeah. So it's really, it's really about becoming more aware, you know, when, when are you using it? Is it serving you? Um, are you neglecting other things in your life? Mm. Um, and that, that's for me, you know, the indication of, of having a problem in the end. Because everybody has a different level, you know, if you're in a relationship and, and, and you, you're both very, very highly energetic sexu- sexually yeah. and you love just trying out kinky stuff with, with, with the inspiration of porn, go for it, you know, do it, <laughs> do it, you know, I mean, uh, it, really, it, re- it really is the question, is, are, you, are you living a healthy sexuality and, and mm. uh, is it having a negative effect on your life? Mm. Yeah, I guess that's the question. Is it having a negative effect on your life? Yeah, and if you if you realize and want to stop, but can't. Yeah. You know, then you're definitely addicted. Yeah, it's like me and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. It's like I tell myself, okay, I'm not going to buy any, but I still get it in the house. Uh, and then you cut it up to small pieces. And then I cut it into small pieces, <laughs> hoping that it would last longer. Exactly, especially when you bring chocolate home, <laughs> right? So, okay, so, so then you realize you have this addiction, so did you seek advice, and how did you discover the techniques that help you move through it? Oh, again, I'm, I'm a really bad example because I... I You're not a bad example. I, yeah, but no, I didn't seek advice, okay. and that's exactly a thing. That's probably um, what other people do too. Yeah, true, true. Uh, and that's that's why I make it I make it such an important point also in, in, in my book. You know, it's it's basically the first the first step of getting out of the addiction, um, really acknowledging that you have a problem, 
um, but then also believing that you can do something about it and, and reaching out and asking and accepting help. Mm. That's self-love in the end. Mm. And, and that's what's so needed to, to feel that pain of disconnection, which is the root cause for, for every addiction. Yeah. So I was completely lost. I, was, I, w- I, would, I would have hoped to have somebody in my life who took my hand and showed me what I had to do. But I was, I was just trying out different things, you know. And the turning point for me was um, because I knew, I knew there was something terribly wrong and I need to do something in my yeah, life. And then yeah. just headless, I tried out different things. And I checked into an Ayurvedic hospital uh, in India for two months. Because just I, I, I knew I need the structure, you know, n- nothing available and take care of my healing. And that was great. Wow. Um, but uh, the turning point really, really came for me here on Bali five years ago. Five know? years ago. Five years ago. Because I, I, came, I came to Bali, I wanted to stay you know, a couple of weeks on my, on my way home, basically. Yeah. And then I stumbled into this, um, what I thought would be a lecture on breathing techniques in, in the yoga barn. <laughs> <laughs> with Anthony, I don't know if you know uh, yeah, Anthony yeah, Avignano, Alchemy of Breath. Yeah. And and then he said, Oh now we're gonna lie down and breathe. And I thought, oh my god, what did I get myself into? You know, I felt really, really uncomfortable. Maybe because my, my system knew what was coming. Yeah. You know, I felt really uncomfortable and I wanted to but I was too embarrassed to stand up and walk out of this room. <laughs> So I stayed. So I stayed. You, know? you don't want to seem like I can't handle this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and then I felt when he started breathing, uh, um, I felt so much resistance. You know, oh, all these hippie people around me. You know, just so much resistance uh, wow. until until Anthony, I think he came to me and, and said, um, breathe into into your predominant body sensation that you that you're feeling right now. And uh, I gave that, that resistance, that uh, being annoyed with everybody around me, some space. And I breathed into that. And, and, and it lifted me right over. And I, I, I couldn't... It's still coming up. It's still coming up. I couldn't stop crying and shaking and sobbing for, for a full hour. Wow. Yeah. I was, I was cramping. I was stiff. I was, I was really... It was a cathartic experience for me. And after this breathwork session, I felt my heart again for the first time since, yeah, teenager years probably. And it's still so emotional for me because it's, it's, it, was, it was a huge turning point. And then, and then I asked him um, if he's offering trainings. And he didn't at that point, but he put together a training program. Wow. And we ended up being a, um, a group of, oh, how many were we? Eight, eight people in the first training group, and that that really that really uh, was a turning point for me. This first breathwork session, and then the training, you know, which which gave structure and community, and uh, and a goal. Yeah. And uh, just so much work on myself because that was a huge part of, of becoming a breathwork teacher. Mm. You know, you have to work with your with your own issues. <laughs> Otherwise, you cannot hold space for anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And it was going really deep, um, um, you know, into your childhood, into your traumas, into your behavior. So that was that was definitely a turning point for me. Yes. Okay, and that that was the technique that you use, or did you use other techniques, or? 
I mean, over the course of the years, um, I've I've tried so many things, and 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 breathwork was was a heart opener, an eye opener, and it gave me a lot of structure and and uh, something to aspire to. Mm. Um, but there's there's tons of other exercises that I've learned doing and that I'm still doing actually, um, because it's it's part it's part of getting out of the addiction to um, to learn how to deal with the triggers. You know those, those trigger moments where where you where you all of a sudden getting really aroused and and you're on 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 the on the verge or on the brink of just getting back to your computer to jerk off the porn. Mm, you know there's, there's mm. those trigger moments um, that are very important to catch and and transform. Mm. Um, also as as a part of um, the journey out of the addiction and uh, other breathing breathing techniques, other breathing exercises. Uh, meditation, mental training, visualizations, etc., etc. So there, there's a lot of exercises then that, that that you can do. It doesn't all work for everybody. Um, it's a trial and error, th- trial and error thing to find what's really effective for you. For and you, what helps yeah. For you. So what yeah. are the? Like, can you give some examples of the exercises that work for you? Yeah, I mean. For me, one one that is uh, really helpful to work with the triggers, you know, when you're really, oh, I just want to check off now, um, is is um, I call it the virtual stop button. Okay. And what you do is when you, I mean, of course it take it takes the awareness, you know, that you catch yourself in those moments, like, oh my god, okay, I'm being really triggered right now. Mm. I wanna I wanna sit down and watch porn right now. Those are the moments that you want to catch. And what you do is basically you, you can pinch yourself in the arm. It has to hurt, yeah? So it has to so hurt. So really hard. Yeah, like really hard. Make it, make it painful. Ow, yeah. Or you just clap your hands three times or you slap yourself in the face if you want to. You slap yourself in the face? Yeah, you can. <laughs> so what, you really want to come? Like you really want to jack off and you slap yourself in the face like that? Well, yeah. I mean, as I said, you catch yourself in those moments, you know, where, where you, where you want to sit down and watch porn and jerk off. Okay. You know, and, and when you do this, you know, just creating a little pain or the clapping of your hands, you call out stop. Okay. So it's, it's classic reconditioning, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really you start um, connecting that, that uh, sexual porn trigger to something painful and, and saying stop, mm. you know. And this might not work for everybody immediately and every time. Yeah. It's something that, that wants to be practiced, mm. you know. Um, but it creates this gap. It creates this little gap where you, where you where you're getting out of the autopilot, autopilot, and don't just jump in, uh, straight to the computer. And this little gap then gives you gives you the opportunity to do to do another exercise. For example, I I love doing small br- uh, breathing exercises. Okay. Like a very simple belly breathing, as I call it. And uh, this is very effective because when you breathe into your belly, and I'm happy to show you a little more detail, you activate your vagus nerve, which calms down your nervous system. Okay. So after a couple of minutes, you really you calm down your nervous system, and especially if you, if you use a slow breath, like, uh, your body cannot feel anxiety or, or excitement, basically, when you have a breathing pattern of five or six breaths per minute or slower. Mm. Then your body cannot feel, um, you know, anxiety. It's just not possible or excitement, because then you really just calm down your nervous system. Yeah. And what you do is basically 
Um, for me, it always helps to put, to put a hand on my belly. And you can put your other hand on your heart or both hands on your belly. And when you breathe, when you breathe in, you feel your belly expanding. So your right hand or your hands are moving up. Okay. That's what you want to do. That's that's uh, really important to activate the vagus nerve. Yeah. So, and the exhale through your mouth, especially if you're char sexually charged, you have a lot of energy in your body, and you release more energy by exhaling through the mouth. Okay. Than through your nose. So you breathe in through your nose. You breathe in through your nose, and you exhale through your mouth. Yes, and you try to ex extend your exhale, so you make it slower and slower. So it's like, and you can make a tone with your exhale because that also is very calming and soothing for for your system. And you keep it flowing. So, slow. Slow. And you keep breathing and you recall why you want to stop. Or what would, how would you feel if you gave in, you know, to another session of, of, of porn masturbation, mm. you know? And you breathe in and visualize how proud you would be tomorrow or later today you know, if you can withstand this moment, mm. you know, and how good you feel, how powerful and proud. And with every exhale, just let the tension flow on through your feet. Yeah. So this, this is a very simple exercise that, um, that really helps, really helps. You know, just lie down, shift perspective. Breathing is perfect for shifting perspectives. All, all it takes is five to ten breaths to shift your perspective. Really? Yeah. Yeah, basically every situation uh, in life. Five to ten. Yeah, in every board meeting in the corporate world, they should they should they should take ten breaths together before before they start the board meeting. No way. It will completely shift the energy. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent convinced. Yeah. Has to be belly breaths. Sorry. Belly breaths. I mean, you know, belly breath is really is really good for for calming the system. Um, but I, I, I personally like full breaths because it also acti activates my heart okay. and I want to be in my heart. You know, the, uh, science starts recognizing that we have three brains, not just, you know, our head, mm. it's in our belly and our heart, yeah. they're brains too, because there's, there's huge nervous systems in our heart and in, and in our belly. And I, when you activate a, a deep connected breath you know full breath into your belly first and then into your chest it's like you're making yourself complete and you act you activate your inner wisdom your body wisdom your mm. intuition you know and your heart and that's a that's a beautiful guide well thank you for sharing mm. <laughs> and how has this practice or incorporating this practice five years ago right the, the breath this. work yeah yeah so how has this practice since becoming a facilitator? And that's how I met you, right? I met you in your, did like a small little breath work and sound healing with Sky Love. Okay, so how has this practice affected like your life, your relationships, your anxiety, your addictions? Oh my God, on every level. Really? Yeah, on every level. 
Yeah. In what way? Jesus, oh, I mean, first of all, getting in touch with myself again. Okay. You know, as I said, after the, after my first session, I felt my heart again for the first time since my teenager years. Probably that's what it felt like to me. You know, so really getting in touch with myself again. You know, feel, feeling love and compassion, and and much softer, less ego, mm. less mind. Um, and that plays out in, in, in every aspect of my life. Yeah. But it's work. It's work to stay there. It's mm. work to stay there. And, and that's why I think breathing is such a beautiful practice. It's so simple. It's, it's all free. natural. It's free. You can do it <laughs> everywhere. You know, and, and, and it's quick. Um, I, I don't always feel like doing a full hour of breath work. Yeah. Um, but just 30 breaths. 30 breaths. It takes you maybe 10 minutes. You know, just 30 deep breaths hugely changes your perspective. Wow. Yeah. It's, for me, it's like, um, it's like um, psychohygiene. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's what I call it for myself. It's like psychohygiene. It's really, it, it, it creates a lightness in your body and, and also insights, you know, like, what, what might have felt heavy before in your mind when you're turning into your, you know, whatever negative beliefs or, or, or whatever is, is, is burdening you, um, breathing deeply makes it so much lighter. Mm. It makes it so much lighter and it really does. That's why my teacher, Anthony Abagnano, calls his, calls his breathwork alchemy of breath. Because there's, there's, an, there's an alchemy happening you know, there's a transformation happening in, 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 uh, in breath work and in breathing. Mm. Um, oh, what was this guy? Fritz Perl, I think, the, the, the founder of Gestalt Therapy. Yeah. I think he said, anxiety is excitement without the breath. Mm. Yeah. Now, That's amazing. Now, how, how, how about that for, for, you know, alchemy? Wow. You know? When, when you feel anxious and you bring your breath to it, it changes into an excitement, mm. you know? Yeah. Mm. So there's, there's huge benefit in breathing. Um, I think everybody should at least try breathwork once. In their yeah, lives. I mean, for sure. Breathwork changed my life two years ago. I'd never done it before. I first tried it in Thailand, in Koh Phangan, a place called The Sanctuary. And uh, then I continued the work here. And I remember that it just brought up memories from like, from even my first year of birth. That was crazy. Um, three years old, five years old. And it actually brought up a lot of things that needed to surface. Um, but once it was brought up and moved through, it like it moved, like it was gone, right? And now I met this really beautiful woman here called Anna Maria. And she does um, like women's work and she was talking about like doing something called earthing. So it's where you like lie on the ground and you breathe, you do breath work, essentially light breath work, just breathing in like the energy from, from the ground, like the earth, yeah. And into your, like your womb and into your yoni as well. So I've been doing that every morning. Like, and I don't know how many breaths, I don't count how many breaths, it's about 10 minutes. Just like breathing in on the earth, bringing nice. that energy down, nice. breathing out. And it's yeah. been really great. Like, it, I feel like it definitely supports me. 
yeah, so I, I highly recommend uh, breathwork as well if people are like looking into stuff like that. And it blows my mind how accessible and easy it is to, to do. I actually would really like to become a breathwork facilitator. Mm. Yeah, and that's definitely one of my plans. Like that's definitely mm. one of my goals. Yeah. Go for it. I would love to. I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah. And it's a nice nice training too. It's a nice journey. You know, it's a journey to yourself. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I guess my next question to you is like, do you feel that you've been healed from your porn addiction now that you've got breath work and you're doing all these tools? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the thing thing with addiction is um, you're carving deep neural pathways mm. um, which don't just disappear from one day to the next yeah you know i, I don't agree with 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 the western medicine who, who very often says oh this is this is not possible to heal or irreversible or whatever yeah um i think that's that's a very bad attitude <laughs> why, why would you think that you know even if there's the slightest chance that it could be completely healed you know rather believe in that mm. Um, so no, I'm not a hundred percent healed. Um, I do have my relapses, you know, I had a pretty bad relapse last November, December, um, which was quite devastating actually. Um, so it does happen, you know, it does happen. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's a struggle more and sometimes it's less, you know, and it's work for, for me, for me, it's, it's, it's life's work. Probably, and maybe that's also why why I want to create an offering, you know, um, because it keeps me it keeps me on top of it. Mm. Yeah, it keeps me on top of it. Yeah, I guess they always say that we teach the things that we actually need to learn for ourselves. You know, like I I hold space for five rhythms. It's my medicine for me. Like I need it. Like it's it's you know it keeps me in check. It's yeah. yeah, it's it's a medicine I use for myself, and then I happen to be doing it in a room full of people sometimes, yeah. and then you know they spread that medicine, uh, and the only reason it's medicine for others is is because it's medicine medicine for me. So it makes it makes all the sense. So on a scale of one to ten, where do you stand with your addiction now? <laughs> I think last week I said four. Um, I think three three is is more accurate. And I'm, I'm being quite hard on myself. Yeah, I bet. Like, like always. <laughs> like always. You know? Uh, which, which is, which so is part of like my journey. So it's probably like a two or a one, yeah. <laughs> Becoming even more softer. I've, yeah. uh, I've changed a lot. But yeah, this, this is definitely in there. And uh, I think as long, as long as I'm not in a really solid relationship, living a healthy, a healthy sexuality, mm. um, I'm, I'm not a zero, you know, a zero for me is that it's, it's absolutely, it doesn't play any part in my life anymore, yeah. you know, and, and I don't, I don't see that, mm. uh, you know, because it's, it's always there, especially for men. And, and once you've carved those pathways, um, it's there, you know, it's there. Mm. And it's a way to dealing with it. So sometimes it's it's harder, sometimes it's easier. Um, but I think a three is about fair. Mm. Okay. And um, what would you say are the fundamentals of, of breathwork? The one that you practice? The fundamentals of breathwork? Or actually, no, better question. What we were talking about earlier makes more sense. Like, what are the fundamentals of overcoming porn addiction? And you mentioned some great things earlier. 
Well, you know, it really depends on where you are at in your journey. And I'd like to keep it very basic. Um, so assuming um, somebody's in, in the same situation as I was back then. Yeah. So being very unconscious yeah. and very lost. Yeah. Uh, and then it is really, first of all, acknowledging that you have a problem. Mm. That's the first step. It really is. And, and then believing that you can do something about it and mm. reaching out, reaching out, reaching out for help, uh, professional help, friends, start talking about it and, and uh, yeah, creating, creating new connections in your life, mm. you know, because I think I've mentioned it before. I mean, the, the root cause for addiction is, is, is disconnection, pain and disconnection, mm. pain and disconnection to yourself, mm. you know. Usually something that happened in your childhood where, where you felt unloved or unaccepted. Not even talking about trauma. It doesn't have to be a trauma um, to, to get addicted. You know, it doesn't have to be. Um, and yeah, recreating connection to yourself. Yeah, so self-love. Mm. Um, and creating connections to um, other activities in your life that are more healthy than porn addiction. Because porn addiction is, is just uh, you know, a connection that you make because you think it's, 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 it's giving you something, it's rewarding you with something, with excitement or whatever, uh, until you realize it doesn't. Mm. And uh, creating connections to, to other people, to other people, friends, family, relationships so that's that's for me that's the fundamentals of getting out of porn addiction mm. apart from all the technicalities you know about really deleting everything you have and installing a, a porn blocker oh wow yeah there are porn blockers around i don't know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and there's actually a one one that i really like is also um um, you have to name a responsibility and you know, an accountability partner who receives your entire surf history every day in a report. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a porn blocker? It's like a Chrome add-on? No, no, that's not a blocker. That's an accountability software. Oh. So you can still surf all you want, but your accountability partner or partners... You choose the person. ...will, will receive a full report of your surf history. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That makes a huge change. Huge change. Of course, you know, these accountability partners should be chosen wisely. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Because they, 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 shouldn't, they shouldn't... Let you get away ...judge with or blame you when you, when, you, when you did fall back. Yeah. But, you know, there should be, there should be a, uh, an exchange, a communication, you know, what was triggering you, you know, what happened, you know, mm. um, really about becoming able to talk about it, you know, mm. and not bottle it in, in, the, in, the, in a bubble of shame and guilt, with, mm. which this addiction is so heavily loaded with. I know. You know, and the accountability thing is, is an important factor um, because all the, it's quantum physics, you know, when you have an observer, then your behavior changes. Yeah. You know, and the same, the same applies to, to therapy, you know, to professional help. Mm. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really much more effective to have somebody who supports you or who is there as an accountability partner to change your behavior uh, versus trying everything by yourself.
Yeah, I that's know. That's super hard, and it's not really possible. You really, you you need support and help to get out of an addiction. That's at least my my experience. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. Like I only, like I told you, right? Only in the last six months, I started to admit to myself that I was addicted to uh, like skin picking. Like mm-hmm. I told you, right? And I didn't realize how empowering it was to say out loud to someone. Because I didn't, because I was in it, so I didn't even realize that by not saying, I didn't even have the thought of I'm not saying it, because I was so in it. I just knew there was this thing that I was really ashamed of, and I would Mm. do everything to hide. Mm. You know, back when I was younger, it was like foundation, which is not really hiding anything. So for me, coming out and not wearing makeup about three years ago, that was like a big shift in the right direction, but still it was a secret, you know, Mm. I would like, like pick my face and then I would like, you know, I would like mess up mirrors, it was really gross. And then I would like, (gasps) you know, do everything to hide, 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 so no one would know. I would like do my hair in certain ways. And I just went to a lot of uh, effort to to hide, but I didn't realize I was hiding an addiction. I would not have admitted then it was an addiction. It's strange that, but now that I look at it, I'm like, oh, it's 100% an addiction. And then by saying it out loud and even mentioning it like on the podcast or in, in we did like a little session with Joshua Falcon Gray on a different podcast earlier. Um, it's empowering because it gives it less power. Yeah. And then I have an opportunity to talk about it. And then I have an opportunity to play with it. So like with Joshua, we did his like multi-personality Dow play, which is extraordinary work. And then there's space to move the, that energy. Yeah. And I do feel like I'm improving a lot. Okay, I, I'm not healed, definitely not, but I, I do feel that by expressing it, it allows me to also have more compassion for myself. I, w- I wanted to say, um, it's, I, I would even go as far as um, only, only when you meet somebody who compassionately listens to you, yeah. you are able to step into your self-healing, Yeah. you know? And, and speaking about um, talking to somebody um, else about, about the, the problem, I mean, allow me to get a little more practical because it, it's a tricky thing, you know, especially when you're in the middle of it. Um, I mean, choose wisely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in my book, I Ubud. recommend... Is... <laughs> Come to Ubud. Find the tribe. You can talk tribe. to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, especially for men, um, I would, as a first step not necessarily recommend to talk to a woman mm. this might sound odd but you know if, if the reaction is is maybe not exactly ideal mm. it could just reshame uh, you a lot mm, be traumatized and, yeah, yeah. And, and put you back in the hole um, I mean I've, I've I've made the most beautiful experiences when I started talking to women about it, but it took me a couple of years. Mm. But it was hugely healing. You know, when I realized, oh my God, I can talk to, to women about it. And, and, and they all held me with compassion, mm. you know, and, and support. Like being proud of, of owning these emotions and speaking them out, yeah. which was hugely healing. And I want to I express tons of gratitude to women who have who have uh, supported me in that mm. you know that was that was a huge healing for me uh, with with women um, for example um, but for men you know it's it's really 
as a first talk, you know, find a good friend or maybe maybe somebody that you can really trust and and make it clear that you wanna you wanna talk about something very intimate. So it's so it's you know a safe space. And that you don't expect the person to do anything after that for you. So it doesn't create, you know, any kind of expectations or whatever. So it's really about just expressing, just mm. just letting it flow and being held in that. Mm. Really just, just getting it out of your system. Getting it out of your system. Because it's it's so heavy. It's so heavy when you have to carry that by yourself. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think compassion is so key and it's yeah. the hardest thing. Yeah. Like, cause also it's, you have to be aware that you're not compassionate. That's a, that for me was the, the switch. So I didn't even know what compassion was. I just, it wasn't brought up with compassion, not because of it, it's anything bad. It's just reflective of the, you know, the culture we're from. It's not very, you know, Russians, the Soviet Russian mm. culture is not a very compassionate culture. Like people are actually very hard on themselves. So that's, it's quite a cultural phenomenon. And then, so my parents are very hard on themselves and then very hard on others. And then I grew up being very hard on myself, so it wasn't until like Vipassana until I was like, holy shit, I guess I'm really like a bully in some way. So it's like recognizing that I'm not being compassionate. You know, like we were painting these pictures the other day. You, you came later, you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> my painting was like, I was like, I didn't even want to put my painting up in the picture. I was so ashamed. I was like, I suck at painting. I'm off, I can't paint. I'm not artistic. And I remember tall, a friend of ours, he responded and he said, he said the funniest thing. He was like, what kind of chat is that? That's not compassionate speaking. If you don't speak compassionately to yourself, you're not part of our Ubudian exclusive <laughs> compassionate tribe of love. He was joking, of course. But um, he was just reflecting back like, damn, like you can be more compassionate. Yeah. It's just a picture, man. Like, yeah. relax. And like, yeah, but, but those like snippets, even though it was in a funny way, it was just about painting a picture and not a big deal. That is reflective of also where I'm at with myself. So it's those moments, like you were saying about like, don't, don't be like, fuck, like shit. I, I masturbated again. Like, and it's not compassionate at all. It's like me with the skin picking. It's being like, okay, but I did better than yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I didn't manage to pass the mirror without trying to like, mess up my face but that's okay mm -hmm. it's better than before it's way better than it was five years ago it's way better than a year ago so i'm just gonna be proud of myself and say keep going yeah. rather than like fuck you yeah, for not yeah, being yeah. able to get over this yeah and it's actually quite quite a, a nice a nice uh, process to observe too mm. uh, because i was exactly like that you know after a relapse i just condemned myself yeah oh, such a loser <laughs> no. No. No, seriously, you Damn. know. And now I've shifted to, um, you know, I talked about those trigger moments yeah. where, where you feel, where you feel, you know, the PMO trigger is coming up. Okay. You just want to watch porn right now, and then, and then, uh, I'm, at, I'm at a stage where, where, catch those moments and say, ah, oh, there you are. All right, mm. there you are again. <laughs> yeah. well, welcome. What is it this time? You know, what's the pain? What are you missing? You know, what are you trying to push away? Yeah, actually, that's really interesting. I started asking a question similar to that. So when I would find myself like in the mirror, especially in Portugal before I came here, and that was a moment where I, I, I was reading blogs. I was like trying to find groups. I'm like, okay, I need to figure this out. And I started to ask myself, what am I not giving myself? Because I realized that I was 
overloading my time and my schedule and I was never giving myself enough space to be alone. And then it was too much pressure because I, a person needs to be alone to rejuvenate their energy. Mm, yeah. And so I realized, like, I need to be alone. I need to be alone. I need my own time. I need my own space. So by, like, ruining my face, I don't feel like going out. I don't feel like interacting with people. I don't feel like being social. So it's, like, self-sabotage to then not do those things when I could just have boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. just say no. But, you know, I like that's what I needed to recognize. So when I'm at the mirror and these things start occurring, I ask myself, okay, what's going on here? Like, what am I not giving myself that's making me want to, like, hurt myself? And that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah, and also smaller things, you know, like, like uh, uh, instead of saying, I need to, I have to, I want to. I want to. And I choose. I choose to. You know, it's so much softer. Mm. Because you know, I have to, I have to do this, and I have to be good to myself and compassionate to myself. Yeah, pressure. There's a hardness in there as well. Shit, I wasn't <laughs> compassionate to myself. Fuck. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Okay, so do you have mm. any like, since we're like coming to like the end, do you have any like recommendations for like reading or people you followed or anything aside from yourself, of course, which you'll mention afterwards. Um, for anyone who's dealing with porn addiction or what, interested in looking more into breath work? Hmm. Um, regarding porn addiction, um, yes. I mean, there, there's one great video out there. Uh, it's called Your Brain on Porn. Mm. Your Brain on Porn. It's about one hour long or even a bit longer. Uh, it's, it's cold, if you ask me. It's, it's, it's quite some years old already, but it's this <laughs> guy who's just in, own, in his own initiative you know, um, researched like crazy and put together a video which, which is hugely informative mm. and, and, and just tells you basically everything you need to know about porn addiction. Wow. He also has a great website actually, Your Brain on Porn. Okay. So that's great. And there are smaller videos uh, out there as well by now, you know, a lot of tutorials and, uh, well, you know, you, what, what happens, uh, neuroscience, hormones, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to watch one hour video, there's shorter ones out there too. Mm. Um, so check YouTube, for but, example. But like in, in supporting recovery, like do you have any books that you recommend? I mean, you know, I've done research in, in, in German mainly because I've written my book in German. Which hopefully you'll write in English. I hopefully translate in English, yes. With yeah. a lot of pressure from all the people <laughs> who listen to this podcast and yeah, want to exactly, read Nick's exactly. book in English. Exactly. Well, maybe by the time you publish it, it will be in English already. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a couple of books in German. Um, not that many, though. Maybe a handful. Okay. Yeah. You know, and because there's only a handful... Um, That's why you're writing yours. Just, yeah. And, and they're written by therapists mainly, mm. you know, addiction therapists, sexual therapists. But when I think to, back to my time, I, I didn't want to talk to therapists, you know. I, I would have rather wanted to talk to somebody who went through the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, to lower the threshold of... of, of uh, being approachable, mm. you know, and and on the same page. Mm. So yeah, that that is a reason why I'm why I'm writing the book because I think I can reach more people, um, and it's necessary to talk about this this um, this um, this issue much more openly and publicly. Um, yeah, it's it's a taboo. 
it's a taboo that needs to be broken. Yeah, I and, hear that. Uh, I hope I can contribute to that. What's the name of your book? Um, Porn Out. Okay. Yeah, Porn Out. Because it's, you know, as I, as, I, as I told you, it felt like a burnout, which I call a porn out. Yeah. Because of the history. But also porn out, you know, get out of porn. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's um, yeah, that's my thinking behind the, the title. Okay, okay, cool. And if someone wanted to find you, how would they find you? Um, I, it's not finished yet. I couldn't, I couldn't give you a website name. Well, that's for the book, but I'm talking about you. Um, well, I have a website which is which is breathwork and coaching at the moment. Yeah. Um, for for the for the porn addiction coaching, I'm building something new. Okay. I'm not sure yet if it's going to be under my direct name or if I'm going to try it with porn out, but that might create some issues with the whole digital media thing, social media thing. Mm. You know, you can't advertise anything that has porn in the name. Yeah. So I have to I have to think about that and uh, yeah. But what, what is your website? My website is Freymut. How do you spell that? So it's my last name, F-R-E-Y-M-U-T, which okay. stands for courage. Okay. Which is freymut.com. Okay, cool. Uh, it's actually in English as well. But as nice. I said, you know, it's, it's breathwork and, and coaching that I've done before, which is more um, uh, individual corporate coaching, um, uh, stress management. And I'm changing that completely. I want, to, I want to start something completely new with this porn addiction. So do you have an email address someone could email you at? Uh, yeah, personal email. What's your email? Niklaus, N-I-K-L-A-U-S, yeah. dot Frey, F-R-E-Y, at gmail.com. Niklaus. 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 Yes. Okay, super exciting. There was something that, that, that came up for me. Oh, yeah, I did want to mention. So, yeah, you're right, because um, I have a kind of, let's call it like a, acquaintance called Cindy Gallup who I met a few years ago and she started a website called make love not porn and she's she's very prominent in the advertising world like she was a creative director at BBH which is one of the biggest and best mm. agencies in the world and she was unable to get any form of investment for her platform and her platform's like whole mission was to basically change the porn industry by having real couples film themselves having sex and then publish that with their consent onto the platform so that you know you could watch real people having sex with love and that mm. would be a way of re-educating mm. um, yeah okay. just re-educating and so she's been writing a lot about that journey and she said it's freaking like blood out of stone <laughs> it's been impossible so I should connect you actually but um, but yeah so I, I would probably consider that for the website but I'll, I'll keep that conversation uh, for the rest of our kitchen talk, for the day outside of um, outside of this podcast, and just say that I'm I'm really grateful for you making the time, and you were not a bad example. You are perfect example, and I feel like the strategies you mentioned for you know porn addiction could be quite useful for any addiction. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna try your pinching thing. I might not slap my face because that feels weird, but <laughs> I'll um, I'll probably like pinch myself and. Try to try to clap because I think because my the act of what I'm doing is with my hands anyway. So if I just mm -hmm. move that somewhere else and try to do at least thirty breaths before meetings mm. as well. Nice. <laughs> yeah. See how see what it does. I'll Change your perspective. I'll see what it does. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, see you in ten minutes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to another episode of My Guru. Be sure to follow us on Insta at My Guru, spelled My Six Guru, or at my personal Insta, Anna Dream.